Thank you, praise team. Please join me in prayer. Father, we, uh, we do thank you for the one who is our king. We thank you that he died for us. We thank you that he was buried in a tomb. And we thank you that he conquered the grave and he lives today. Father, I pray that it would be uh, the song of our hearts on this Good Friday that we would sing to him and that you would be pleased with that. Amen. You know, a few weeks ago, I was uh, interacting with some of my relatives in a shared email. It was all the cousins, all, what, 20 of us or something, all the uncles, all the aunts, and so all of us were included in this joint email, and everybody was joking around a little bit and picking on one another. And so I chose to chime in since I'm the oldest grandchild and figured I'd join the conversation. And, and um, I posted a remark where I was teasing all of our parents on behalf of all of my cousins, and I, I noticed that after my remark, the conversation just kind of stopped. And I thought, what, what did I do? Some, something's wrong here. I, I won't repeat what I said. But uh, apparently, you know, as I was considering a, a little later as if I had said something wrong, it later came to my attention that I had used a phrase that five years ago was okay to say. But, but time changes, and apparently it's become a politically offensive and now considered uh, derogatory slang. So I called my parents something bad, I guess. And, uh, you know, it's, it's quite uh, remarkable how, how quickly language changes. And we find ourselves sometimes trying to ke- keep up with things in this postmodern world and how quickly words change meaning and, and they're redefined. But it's also becoming a trend to redefine ideas, to redefine objective truths. Ten years ago, our culture decided that we were going to redefine marriage. Today, we're redefining gender. Tomorrow, it will be something else that we redefine. But but there's an even greater attack that I'd like us to talk about as we consider Good Friday this morning and why Good Friday is good. There's a greater attack taking place with much higher stakes that are involved. And the gospel itself is under attack from within Christianity. From within churches, the gospel itself is being redefined. And within this sphere of those who call themselves Christians, we're seeing the good news relabeled. We live in a time where where people believe that they can redefine sin, they can redefine the person of Jesus Christ, they can redefine what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to be a Christian. And, and, and we're relabeling everything. Uh, the, the attack on the Gospel, first of all, it, it, re- it redefines sin. The Bible teaches us that all have sinned. All have fallen away. We are short of God's divine standard. The Bible tells us that not one of us is righteous. Every one of us was born this way. We were born with a sin nature. We were born with a desire to follow our own lusts and our own propensities towards the deeds of the flesh. We're told and taught that all of us have departed from God's holy standard. And he tells us that the consequences of our sin is death, hell, divine retribution, and, and wrath that casts the sinner from God's presence for all of eternity to pay for the consequences of such a rebellion as this, this sin, in whatever form it takes. But we're finding today that many, many who call themselves to be Christians have relabeled sin. 
They followed the way of Cain and they've decided that they get to be the ones who arbitrarily choose what's right and choose what's wrong. And we find these generation, these changes, they take, they, these definitions change from generation to generation. Because hell is unpalatable to our all-inclusive tastes, we find that uh, you know, people are asking, how, how could a loving God be angry? How could a loving God condemn nice people? How could a loving God challenge our standard of righteousness? That would hurt our feelings. And so from within the church, we decided to, to redefine sin itself. We also see that this attack on the Gospel redefines the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is the second person of the Trinity. And He hates sin. He hates sin as much as God the Father, and He called people out for sin. He called them uh, whitewashed tombs, snakes, hypocrites. He forgave those caught in sin and had the boldness to tell them, go and sin no more. But because He submitted Himself to the Father's sovereign plan before the foundations of time, because He hates sin with infinite revulsion, and because the three persons of the Trinity love mankind with an infinite, incomprehensible love, Jesus Himself, because of His hate for sin and His love for humanity, submitted Himself to becoming a man so that He might die for us on the cross for our sins. The Bible teaches us that Jesus took God's wrath upon Himself and He suffered the full penalty for all of our sin. Indeed, He became our sin so that we might have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The Bible even says so that we might become His righteousness. But many who call themselves Christians have on a whim with no regard for the reality that this man, Jesus Christ, was the central figure of all of human history. On a whim, they've chosen to recatalog who He was and redefine what it was He even came to do. A few years ago, I was reading an article that was published by a journalist and a professor from Rutgers who called themselves a Christian. They wrote, On this Holy Week, when I reflect on the Christian story of Christ crucified, it is a story to me of a man who came, radically served his community, challenged the unjust show of state power, embraced children, working class men, and promiscuous women. His message of radical inclusivity was so threatening that the state lynched him for fear that he was fomenting a cultural and political rebellion. In this whole article, there's no mention of sin. There's no mention of sacrifice. Jesus was redefined to be merely a a political activist who included everyone and never called sin, sin. They went on in this column to reject the Jesus of the Bible who was proclaimed by the Scriptures. The journalists rejected the idea idea of a Jesus who hates sin. Uh, They rejected the idea of a Jesus who would die for sin. And they concluded this way. Uh, This God isn't the God that I serve. There's nothing holy, loving, righteous, inclusive, liberatory, or theologically sound about Him. He might be biblical, but He's also, and then it continues and finishes in words I can't repeat. This is just the latest barrage of attacks on the good news. And these attacks come from those who claim that the, the, they claim the name of Jesus Christ for themselves, but they've redefined who He is and they've redefined what He's come to do. My friends, as we celebrate the good news, as we celebrate Good Friday, we have to be so careful that our understanding of the Gospel and our proclamation of the Gospel is what God proclaimed it to be. 
We also see that this attack on the Gospel redefines what it means to be a Christian. The Bible teaches that a Christian is one who recognizes the great separation between himself and a God because the man is a sinner and because God is holy. A person comes to this God because God loves us. Because Jesus died on a Roman cross. His blood was shed and His body was broken. A Christian is one who accepts by faith that Jesus' sacrificial death was the only payment that could be made. And that, that it was the only sufficient payment that ever was made for our sins. A Christian accepts by faith that Jesus paid the penalty for the sinner's sin. And God credits the righteousness of the Son of God, Jesus the man who is God, to that man or to that woman by His grace through their faith in Jesus Christ alone. Having been justified, the new believer has been set apart for a life that's devoted wholly to God. And so the salvation that, that was established when they became a Christian, it continues to be sown as they hold fast to the message of the Gospel and as they live out its results and they live out a life of drawing near to our God. But many who call themselves Christians have redefined what it means to even be one. Rejecting God's way, they've claimed that Christianity for themselves and declare that it's, it's, it is so because well, I'm a good person. I grew up in an American church. I accepted Jesus, though they've redefined what Jesus was and what He came to do. To them, sin no longer has a penalty, nor should you tell them how to live their life. And the Bible is just an ancient book that's no longer needed and has no longer has any relevance for them. For them, the Gospel is just a message of hope for the oppressed, but does not save you from sin because sin no longer really exists. The Gospel, for many, has just become and been redefined to be a message of love and peace so that all, all would follow the example of a good man who was just misunderstood by the religious nuts of his day. But to them, this death that Jesus suffered has no more meaning than the tragedy that they see which came after His message of all-inclusive acceptance for everybody, no matter what they believe. My friends, the Gospel's under attack. The Gospel's being redefined. And on this Good Friday, we call it good because the message that we preach of Jesus' death on the cross is good news for sinners. It's a message of God becoming a man and loving sinful men so much that He took their place. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1-4 through contains a message which is just as pertinent today as it was for the audience that it was originally written to when the ink was still wet on the, that ancient parchment. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the Gospel I preached to you which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the Word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sin in accordance with the Scriptures. That He was buried and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. The Corinthians, they, they needed to hear this in their day too. They needed to be reminded of the Gospel which Paul had first preached to, to them and, and which they received and which they continued to stand. And in, second, in, in Corinthians, it's a reminder that we almost must heed this. Like the Corinthians, we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. 
We've been justified before God the Father because of the atonement which Jesus offered to us. But in verse 2, Paul reminds them that they are still being saved. Just as you and I are still being saved. Paul's not teaching that, that, um, that we have to maintain our righteous standing before God because that was established once for all through the Son of God and His precious blood which He offered on the cross for all who have believed in Him. But but God continues this work in us and He continues our sanctification which is still underway. That is, we are in the process of being set apart for the salvation which began in us when we, when, when we believed and it continues in us as we hold fast to the Gospel today. Salvation was not just fire insurance so you can get out of hell. God saved you, Christian, in order to transform your life for His glory. Otherwise, you believed in vain. And so on this Good Friday, let us remember what was delivered to us of, was of first importance. This is the message. This is the message of the Gospel as the Scripture defines it. Not as our culture redefines it today. Not as we want it to sound to those that we preach it. But Scripture declares that Christ died for our sins. Christ was buried. Christ rose on the third day according to the Scriptures. Religious leaders of Jesus' day, they had Him crucified because of political advantage. His message threatened their position and their power, but but we're told that this was not the reason that Jesus died ultimately. Judas betrayed Jesus for for a price and He handed Jesus over to be crucified. But that also was not the reason that Jesus died. Pilate washed his hands of this Jewish problem and he tried to disassociate himself from from what Israel chose to do, but he gave them the authority to crucify Jesus. And ultimately, that was not the reason that Jesus died. The Romans carried it out. They beat him. They stripped him. They flogged him beyond recognition. They spat on him. They mocked him and put a crown of thorns on his head. They tied him to a beam and forced him to carry it to his, the place of his execution where they pierced his hands and his feet and they hung him on a tree where he would die of asphyxiation. But that's not the reason that Jesus died. Jesus died because God was pleased to kill him. Isaiah 53 tells us so. Jesus Himself chose to die on our behalf for our sins. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, chose to sacrifice Himself on our behalf. The entire Trinity saw fit that a good man, a perfect man, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, would take the sins of the world. And indeed, according to the Scriptures, Jesus died for our sins. Jesus paid it all. And that is the message of Good Friday. A message that is good because sinners have been given salvation. Let us remember the Gospel. Let us guard ourselves from distorting its message or from watering it down to a point where it's unrecognizable. My friends, let's be reminded to present it clearly that the world might know of Jesus' love for them and for His sacrificial giving of Himself on that Friday. A Good Friday when God made a way for sinners to draw near. As we celebrate communion this morning, I'm going to ask the men to come forward. Uh, 
we, we remember this Good Friday that our Savior died in our place. He loved us so much. His body was broken. His blood was spilled out so that those who would respond by faith would be receive His grace, would become the righteousness of Jesus Christ. As always, as we celebrate communion, uh, we celebrate an open communion. If you're not a member of DeWitty Free, you're welcome to join us and welcome to partake with us. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, though, and you have not yet come to that point in which you have put your faith in the Son of God who died for you, when you've come to that point where you've recognized your own personal sin, that you've offended this God, and that you need His salvation, and you've cried out to Him for salvation that only comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've not responded in that way, I would ask that you would refrain from taking communion and, and, and partaking in something that you're declaring what He's done for you when you haven't yet responded to Him, but instead receive the salvation that He's given to you this evening. And as always, if you'd remember, we want to take the communion together, and so men will pass the elements, and then we'll partake together here in a few moments. If you would join me as we uh, remember His death. Father, we thank You. We come before You. Eucharisto, we thank You because You have given us Your Son. We thank Jesus because He loved us so much that He came and, and, and dwelt among us willingly. He became our sins so that we might become His righteousness. We give You praise for this incredible gift that You've given to us. And so we call this day good because of what You've accomplished on our behalf. And because we know that Jesus didn't stay in the ground, He didn't stay in a tomb, but He rose again on the third day and conquered death. So that by, by His death and resurrection, we also will enjoy the power of the resurrection one day as we stand in Your presence, resurrected and glorified. Thank You, Jesus. Amen.